Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at home. So glad to be a part of this with you. In fact, I'd encourage you to do uh, a couple things. It's a great time to download our message notes. In fact, let, let me mention this from the beginning. I'm actually going to be controlling our Bible verses today. So if you see me look down, I'm not distracted by looking at something on a phone or anything else. I'm going to make sure that the verses are there for, for all of us. But I'd encourage you to download our message notes. Also, you can download the Kids uh, Activity Sheet. If you've missed any of our past messages, you can actually go back on whatever um, platform you've been watching and you can watch again. And if our notes are not listed online, you can email us and we'll get you to those as well. So I encourage you to print those out. We're also going to receive communion at the end, and those scriptures are in our notes uh, as well. Hey, let me encourage you that we've been doing this each and every week to jump in and be a part of our one-year chronological Bible reading plan. We're already into the book of Exodus. It's amazing just reading in Exodus and even some of the things that we're going to hint on uh, in the scripture today in the book of Mark how the things just flow back and forth, especially in Jesus's last uh, week of living on earth before going to the cross and the example of the Passover in Exodus. I encourage you to jump in. You can go to our website uh, to get more information on how to do it, and you'll be able to, to read along whether you use your phone, a tablet, or if you want to print off a, a checklist as well. So I encourage you to do that, um, and it's easy to find. Well, today... I want to get back into what we started last week. In fact, we're going to be in Mark chapter 11, and I want to read all the way through uh, chapter 12 through 26. You know, the disciples now have uh, been eyewitnesses of a lot of the miracles and teachings and things that Jesus has done. They, they've seen him feed on two different occasions one time was 5,000 men plus women and children. The other was 4,000 men. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him raise a little girl from the dead. They were eyewitnesses of the madman of Gadara, the guy fully demon-possessed that uh, was freed and all those demons went into the swine. The swine went over the, the cliff and drowned in the ocean. They've been eyewitnesses. But they probably haven't seen anything yet of what they're going to see in our reading today. But here's what they just saw. They just were part of what we celebrate as Palm Sunday, where Jesus goes into Jerusalem and he celebrated. Yet we know that that is Passion Week. So the scriptures we're reading today is what we determine as Passion Week or the week that Jesus was going to surrender himself to go on the cross and where he would die on the cross, but in three days he would be risen from the dead. So that's where we want to pick off. And so I want to start our reading today in Mark chapter uh, 11. I want to go through verse 12 through 26, and it says this. Now, the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, talking about Jesus, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response to it, Jesus said to it, 
Let no one eat fruit of you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came into Jerusalem, and then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed is withered away. And so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. In fact, that's the title of last week's message. That's the title of this week's message. I want us to hear these words, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and to be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I'd like us to pray before we get into these verses today. In fact, if you missed at all last week's, last week's was an audio message only where we kind of hit a little bit on the temple, and we'll uh, overview that again today. But I want to get into these verses, Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 26. So, Father, we stop today, and Lord, wherever uh, anybody is listening to this, watching this, Father, I pray that we all open our hearts to hear and receive from you. And Lord, let those four words sink so deep into our hearts and our spirits that we have faith in God. In these days, we're watching you move. We're expectant upon you moving, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for our time today, I want to focus on uh, this fig tree, which is interesting. If uh, all of this Bible stuff is fairly new to you, you know, normally we don't see Jesus talking to trees or actually cursing the tree. We could ac actually, we could say this this is probably the only uh, destructive miracle, but this was a miracle. See, everything Jesus did had a purpose, had a plan. And if you dig in a little bit on this fig tree and why he did it, in fact, in the next couple of weeks, we'll look at that very powerful set of verses that we even ended with before he said, after he said, have faith in God. The fig tree was very significant uh, to Israel. And we're going to look at some of those scriptures today. You know, my grandma, she had two fruit trees in her backyard. She had a fig tree and she had a persimmon tree. So growing up, I loved figs. A lot of people like figs. Some people 
don't like figs at all, but she had persimmons, which a lot of times, you know, people might have heard about, but she would make persimmon cookies or she would send home with us figs. Well, my grandpa didn't like either because they attracted the rats. You know, you got to make sure that you get that fruit down because of figs. You know, I also, my mom would pack in my lunches uh, at school fig newtons. I always liked fig newtons, but some people don't like figs, right? They don't, they don't like the taste. But the fig or the fruit of the fig, we read about a lot in the Bible, especially the Old Testament. And I wanted to pull some of those verses out because I think it's going to show us something that Jesus is going to give us example of this fig tree and what's actually taking place in the temple. The worship taking place in the temple was not of God. It had nothing to do with God. It had everything to do with religion and greed. See, religion is a set of rules to try to please God. A relationship is that, you know, you already please him because of what he's done for you. And you have that heart to want to follow after him. Religion, on the other hand, is all about what you have to do. And many times religion is set by man-made rules of trying to attain something. And God the Father says, no, 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 because of Jesus, I want you to come to me. So when we read these verses, in fact, especially when we read about uh, this fig tree, the fig tree was very, very important to the children of Israel. And when even in one of my Bible college classes, I'll never forget this. In fact, I had a six-week class on the Old Testament prophet, the book of Amos. Amos has nine chapters. So we were going through nine chapters in six weeks. We had to write a paper every week on one of the chapters, and we had to catch up at the end. But I'll never forget my professor. I'll never forget what she said. She says, I want you to pay attention in the book of Amos, and I want you to pay attention to the geography. I want you to pay attention to the hills, the mountains, maybe the trees or the rivers, the sea that is mentioned. There's a reason why it's mentioned in Scripture, there's a purpose to everything that's written in the Bible. Nothing is just added in to add in some fluff. It's added in for purpose because it is Scripture is God-breathed to us. So I want to take that into this whole fig tree that has leaves, but Jesus curses it. So let me pull up this verse. Uh, in the book of Numbers, when Moses commands the 12 spies to go into the promised land, they're going to bring back some of the fruit of the land. In fact, Numbers 13, 23 says this. Now they came to the valley of Eshol, and there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. Now, if you've ever read this before, this is the section of Scripture I think we all picture. We all picture these guys carrying out these huge clusters of grapes, but it also says they carried it between two of them on a pole, so, I mean, we're talking about a big cluster, but here's what it says. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. Whenever you see in the Bible fruit, fruit was always evident of a prosperous land. It was the fruit of the earth. You know, you, you and I today, we go to a grocery store and, you know, we can pick out a couple pieces of fruit because it weighs X amount a pound. You got to remember Back in Bible days, back in even certain places today in our world where the fruit grows, it's a very prosperous land where the fruit just is coming up. So part of the fruit that they would bring back to show the children of Israel wasn't just grapes. 
It was pomegranates and it was also figs. Well, I think this is a really an interesting verse here. Is during the time of King Solomon, in fact, even in scripture, 50 different times we're going to read about the fig tree. The fig tree in the Old Testament, why it's so significant is it will show the importance of both a prosperous, nutritional land, but it will also show an economic fact. It was something that they would sell. So when you read about the figs, it shows a prosperous, fruitful land. It also shows us a prosperous, fruitful economic time. But look at this verse. This is in Solomon's time. It says, And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree. From Dan as far as Bathsheba, all the days of Solomon. This is a time of extreme peace, of economic stability, of the land producing all of the fruit. And what's mentioned in Kings in the time of Solomon, that Judah and Israel dwelled safely. Notice what it says, each man under his vine and his fig tree. In fact, we could say it uh, like this today. Oh, did you see Bob and Sandy? They are doing so well. Their family is so blessed. All of their businesses are doing well. You know, God's hand is prospering them. Look, they're sitting under their own fig tree. Now, you and I would look at something different. You and I would say, hey, look at this person. They're blessed. Look at the home they uh, have been able to buy or look at the vehicle they have or look at all of their children. In the Bible days, it was said, I think that's kind of funny, you were looked at as blessed because you sat under your own fig tree. Now, don't forget that thought. Y'all never forget several years ago, somebody had brought their car to our church and I remember they wanted to show it to me and I went out and looked at their car and it was a beautiful car. And they said, boy, the Lord blessed me with this car. I said, really? Tell me about it. Well, I, I couldn't afford it. And I didn't think I had that good of credit, but I went in and the dealer was able to work it out. And I had prayed that God would work it out. And it's only $650 a month. And immediately when I heard that, I remembered the verse that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and it adds no sorrow. Man, that, that payment sorrow, that's not a blessing of the Lord. A blessing of the Lord would have been somehow you were able to purchase it or it's paid for. That's a blessing, not something that you're tied to. Isn't it interesting when we read that verse? The blessing was evident because each person was sitting under their own fig tree. Interesting. Now, when Israel got in bad times, when they were walking away from God, when their hearts had turned from God, when it when they weren't following any of the words of the prophet, we read this verse in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 17, and it says this, And they shall eat up your harvest and your bread, which your sons and your daughters should eat. They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees. They shall destroy your fortified cities in which you trust with the sword. So when we read this verse in, in the prophet was preaching judgment over Israel, and part of the judgment was that even the own trees would, would have been cursed. 
So when we come into Jesus' times, we, we've got to remember this. The, uh, as the fig tree produces fruit, the fruit comes first and then the leaves. Many times it's opposite on fruit trees. Fruit trees, it's the leaf and then the fruit. A fig tree is the opposite. It's the fruit first and then it's the leaf. And we know this, that two crops were produced a year. The first one, the people would get the crop and they would eat it fresh. The second one, they would get the fig and they would dry it, and that would last them for winter. But when you had no fig tree, when the fig tree was cursed, like we read in Jeremiah, there's no fruit to eat and there's no fruit to dry for the winter times or the lean times. So it's interesting when Jesus knows this, when he goes to the fig tree and there's only leaves, he knows that it's not the season for figs. So he should have just bypassed the tree and thought, oh, that's right. The fruit came first. The leaf is second. There's no tree. But Jesus wanted to use it as an example, just like we were reading in those verses in Kings and Jeremiah. Jesus wanted to first use this fig tree as an example of what he was going to walk into at the temple. Though it wasn't the season for fig trees, it was the season of the Passover, It was the season to remember that God got the children of Israel out of Egypt to begin to worship him. But the temple that Jesus now is going to walk into is a temple of crooks and thieves making money off the people. has nothing to do with worship unto God. And so Jesus curses this fig tree as an example of what's taking place in the temple. You know, uh, this verse that I wanted to read in Luke chapter 6 Jesus mentions this. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs. Here's our figs again, right? Figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good tree does not bear bad fruit fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Men do not gather figs from thorns. So Jesus early on mentions about the fruit, right? So in order to have good fruit, that means it's a good tree. And what he's talking about is something that's still probably a mystery to the disciples, but he's going to walk into that temple situation and he's going to overturn the tables of the money changers, even the guys that are carrying the wares. He's going to knock down what they have because they've taken God's temple where his very presence dwells and they've turned it into a marketplace to make money. You know, I mentioned it last week in in some of the Jewish writings because it was a time of you offering a sacrifice that they would uh, increase the prices of things because you were going to sacrifice. You know, I remember years ago when we had moved to North Carolina and I was a district youth pastor for a territory. We were setting up our first youth pastor's retreat, and we were going to do it at a hotel, one of them, in Concord, North Carolina. I wasn't paying attention to any of the events taking place in the city. I didn't know about some of the events, but I knew that I had stayed in this one hotel at one time, and I remember it was one of those suites, 
and it was $99 a night, which was a great deal, especially when we're bringing in a bunch of leaders together. And so when we called to book rooms, I was told that it was 500 and some dollars a night. And I remember looking down and I thought, no, this is the same place that I stayed for 99 a night. And I told uh, the receptor, the person at the front desk, I said, you know, I stayed here about a year ago and it was $99 a night. And I remember her looking at me and she said, don't you know what weekend you're requesting? And I said, evidently I don't. She said, that's, the, that's NASCAR weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. She said, that is one of the busiest, our busiest weekends of the year. And I, I, that hit me. I thought, well, yeah, we're, we're going to switch the date. You know, nobody's going to want to be around busy time. But then I thought, they raised the prices that much because they knew the hotel rooms would be in demand? Well, that's like what's happening at the temple. It's gouging people. It's, it's, it's taking people that come in with the right heart, but gouging them on their sacrifice. You know, James uh, says this in the book of James. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. You know, when we read this, really what Jesus was talking about was actions and words. The action that was taking place in the temple was an action that really had no thought of God and the way that he was to be worshipped. It had everything to do with what they had turned it into. And Jesus looked at that fig tree and used that as a first example before a later teaching that he would teach the disciples to make sure that their worship was unto God. And he used the examples of their day, that fig tree, with no fruit that he cursed as an example of what he was about to walk into. But they wanted to remind us that both Jesus and James would use the example of this fig tree to show the heart of the person, actions and words. You know, the fig tree had the appearance of fruit, but it had none. And the whole temple operation was nothing but leaves and no fruit. They were making money hand over foot off of the people that had the right hearts, and it had nothing to do with a relationship with God. The heart for the Lord was overtaken by greed, and everything that wasn't righteous about it disturbed Jesus, because Jesus lived to please his Father. He wanted his worship to be right and pure. In fact, we know that the entire life of Jesus was set to worship the Father, to please the Father. You know, and I think that's important for us to look at in the story. Everything that Jesus was about was to please his Father. Jesus often said, I only will say what I hear my Father saying. I only do what I see my Father doing. His heart of worship, even his being drawn away to go and pray, was an act to be with his Father. And what he saw, what mankind had turned worship into, was an exact opposite of what it was intended to be. And yet, even in the Old Testament, when we use just that fig tree, in good times, the fig tree showed a prosperous and a blessed nation. In the cursed time, it was dried up. 
And in these times, Jesus is going to want to teach us a couple things. One, that our worship better be pure. And secondly, we better have faith in God in these times. You know, I want to pray for us today before we go into a time of communion. And uh, if you didn't get an opportunity, go find a piece of bread or juice, or really, it's a cracker or something to drink. It might even be a donut and coffee right now. But I want you to prepare and to have something so that we can come together. Uh, You can go over our notes a little bit later and take a time of communion center in your heart and your worship to God because it's most important. So if you need to pause the video to go get it, you can do that. Or if you already have your communion ready, uh, you know, um, it's good as well. But I do want to say this. If you're watching today or if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, it's the most important step that you can make. It's the most important worship step that you can make. It's a guarantee that your name, your reservation is placed in the Lamb's book of life. And it's a guarantee that God the Father through his son Jesus will live in you and walk out these days with you and teach us all how to have faith in God. But I would like you to pray this prayer along with me. In fact, I'm going to put it on the screen and we pull this prayer out of Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. But I want you to pray this with me. Pray it from your heart. Mean it with everything and confess this to the Lord. Ready? Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, I would love it if you would reach out to me. You can do so through our website, uh, through an email. It's so important on these next steps in days that you just connect so that we can be praying for you. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. In fact, I'll use that example today. It's like the fig, the fruit of the tree taking place in your life. Well, as we receive our tithes and offerings today, as we do each week, I want to read a verse and then we'll also take a time to pray and we'll thank God for his blessings over our lives, evident in these days. I want to read Psalm chapter 34, verses 8 through 10. In fact, it is a funny one to read when we're talking about figs. And so for many of you, maybe the fig message made you hungry. Maybe some of you thought, right? Maybe some of you are going to put on your shopping list uh, the fig Newton. But look at what this verse says. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want in those that fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man and woman that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saint. There is no want in those that fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And in our giving today, that's exactly what we're doing. We are seeking the Lord first to honor him as his word said. So pray this verse along with me. Pray it, mean it in your heart. Don't just say and read the words, 
but use this as a prayer from you to your Father God. As I give in today's offerings, I believe that you, O Lord, are a loving, kind, gentle, giving, and generous God. You will not hold back any good thing from my life. You are my provider. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're giving today online, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. Up on the top right side, you can click the Give button. It'll give you a drop down to our online giving. It's fast, safe, and secure. But you can also give by mail. You can write to us, the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419. That's Arcadia, California, 91066. But before we close, we won't go through all of the notes that are, that are listed that you can download, but I, I do want to take uh, this opportunity to receive communion together and to remember that the Apostle Paul also received this from Jesus as Jesus sat with his disciples on his last night before he submitted himself to the cross, and he wanted to make sure that he left them something that they could remember him by, but it was to remember him as often as they did. In the early church, they were doing this daily. We're instructed, the Apostle Paul instructs us to do this as often. And so as we do today, if, we, if you take your bread, and as we read those scriptures that on the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and he, when he gave thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat, this is my body. That broken bread was a sign and an example of his broken body. And so when we take the bread, we remember Jesus' body was broken so that our body could be healed. And so we receive that together. We receive our communion of Jesus' broken body. Receive your healing today over your body or if you're standing in for somebody. Jesus then took the cup. In fact, he said this in the same manner he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink it and you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We remember drinking this of Jesus that he shed. We already shed his blood for our forgiveness of sins and our redemption. He paid for it. And so as we receive this today, we remember all that he did, all that he forgave, all that he redeemed because he laid down his life for us. Let's receive this together. You know, I remember this all the time when I received communion that through his sacrifice, we are healed we are redeemed, we are forgiven, and we are family. It brings us together because we remember what Jesus did. I'd so encourage you to go back over those notes. And as often as you do it, I know people that receive communion every morning. We do it as a church once a month. But as often and whatever times, it's so important that you do so. And I pray it's impactful and powerful because it's what Jesus said to do. As we do each and every week, I want to close 
with Psalm 121, 1 and 2, where David said and wrote, I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We want to let you know we are praying for you. We are believing that you are going to be like the fig tree that produces fruit, that your worship produces fruit, that God is first place. Don't look at everything else. Look to him first place. Follow what he does. And in all of the things that you do, that you would be blessed because God said so. May the Lord bless you. Not only have a great day, but also have a great week.